0: This week on Double Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture, Father Nick Parker explains the difference between mercy and justice. How can God be both merciful and just at the same time? Well, let's find out. Father Nick Parker is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on air host, Cody Marinser. Father Nick uh, Parker has been a priest for 15 years, which is awesome,
1: and has served in six parishes before becoming the pastor at Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish here in Hayes. He's a priest, a concert pianist, a doctor of theology, and now he's in the process of remodeling a parish. Yes. Um, you can generally say he is a jack of all trades. Recently, Divine Mercy Radio won the top of the hour ID at the EWTN Catholic Radio Conference for Father Nick singing, If Today You Hear His Voice, Harden Not Your Hearts, which is the slogan for Divine Mercy Radio. So, um, and, and thanks to Father Nick for that. <laughs> so without further ado, um, Father's in here to talk about um, mercy versus justice. Um, right. And so that's a good place to start is, um, yeah, get us rolling on what's the difference?
2: Okay. Well, um, we'll, we'll get into the difference uh, as, we, as we go along. Um, so we'll kind of develop that throughout okay. the talk. But I think it's a, an interesting topic because there are a lot of images that come to mind when people hear of those two terms. Um, When we talk about justice, oftentimes people will imagine, for example, Lady Justice holding the scales in her hand and people determining right from wrong. And when they determine right from wrong, they will um, liberate the innocent, but they will give punishment to the guilty, you know, and so they think of that with with justice. But then when it comes to mercy, mercy to many people seems to almost be the opposite. Mercy is when... um, we know that someone has done wrong. We know that they are guilty. But instead of punishment, we free the guilty and we loosen their bonds. And so with that, it's interesting looking at these two virtues side by side because they almost seem to be in competition with each other. They, they almost um, seem to contradict one another. And so that's why I I, uh, I I like to talk to them side by, talk about them side by side is because they, uh, when people initially think about Balaam they don't see them as really working together necessarily.
1: Yeah, and I think um, being you're a doctor in theology you can correct any of my mistakes here, which is nice <laughs> on the air for everybody to hear. Sure, um, but because of God's oneness, you know, um, justice and mercy would be one in God. Correct. Yes, that's correct. And so if you think about it that way and how they flow forth from him, then, yes, there isn't competition, which um, I I love that you put that forward because it helps us then to understand not a push and pull or magnets opposing one another, but how do they then work in tandem with one another? Absolutely. And that's going to be the battle really is for us. Yeah.
2: Is that um, God is one. And because of this, he cannot ever be in competition or contradiction of himself. So when God sees somebody do something wrong, it's not like God is looking at this and saying, well, should I be merciful or just? (laughs) He cannot not be merciful, nor can he not not be just. He has to always be the epitome of both. So even though our understanding of it might seem contradictory, the reality of it just can't be correct.
1: So <laughs> we are on uh, talking with uh, Father Nick Parker, talking about a mercy versus justice, um, and uh, kind of looking at um, them individually, but also how do they work in tandem. So where do you want to go from there? Do you want to start with um, what is a good understanding of mercy? Let's let's do start there. I think that's okay. good.
2: We can define each one individually, and, and then we can kind of look at them together. Okay. Um, so. One of the good places to go whenever you're trying to define a virtue, it's not a bad place to start, is with the Webster's Dictionary. (laughs) Um, A lot of people will say, well, let's go to the Bible and catechism first. And yes, we want to go there as well. But um, the Webster's Dictionary will sort of give you the secular viewpoint, which I think is good to realize as well. Uh Um, But uh, um, the Webster's Dictionary says that mercy is compassion or forbearance. Um, Forbearance is sort of like this patient enduring uh, enduring okay. um, it, uh, it also can be lenient or compassionate treatment um, so that's sort of what the uh, you know modern society sees a uh, mm-hmm. mercy is being being merciful, being compassionate, being lenient, you know um, patient, patiently enduring the, uh, another person. Um, with that in mind, then I like going to the Catechism because the Catechism will give me the religious viewpoint. We can compare the religious and yeah. secular, which in this case they're actually very much the same. You almost wonder if Webster took it from the Catechism, um, but the Catechism says it is the loving kindness, compassion, or forbearance shown to one who offends. Now, with this, they're talking directly towards when one does somebody when do, one does something wrong. Um, So when somebody does an offense or a sin, that's when mercy is shown. I like Aquinas' definition a little bit better, though. Okay, hit me with that. Aquinas says that it is grief for another's distress, which is a lot more broad, because when you think about it, if somebody is poor, hungry, homeless, they're not sinning by doing that, but you can still show them mercy by having grief for their distress, If somebody is steeped in sin, you can have mercy by having grief for their distress. So it's more broad, but I think it's more all encompassing. Okay. Um, for this talk, we're probably just going to talk about those who have fallen into sin, but it's good to have that broad understanding as well of what mercy
1: is. Absolutely. You are listening to Father Nick Parker talk to us about mercy and justice. Um, just heard about um, some of the definitions of mercy. Um, and so do you want to go into um, defining justice right away, or do you want to go into kind of looking at how do we live out this mercy thing first? Let's uh, let's do go into
2: the, the justice okay. definition. All right. Um, so with justice, the Webster's dictionary. Once again, I like starting with what secular society thinks. It is the quality of being just, impartial, or fair. Um, the principle or ideal of just dealing or right action. So it's basically being fair to everybody is what what justice is, according to to Webster's. Yeah. Um, with the church's definition, then. The church has it as one of the four cardinal virtues, the four cardinal virtues being temperance, justice, prudence, and fortitude. And the catechism defines justice as the moral virtue that consists in the constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. Aquinas also will give another very simple definition. It is rendering to each one his right. Um, So all of them really seem to go along the the same path there. They, They are very congruent with each other. That that justice is fair treatment and um, really respecting the the rights and dignity of of others as well.
1: So awesome. So when we're practicing these virtues, do we like in a daily situation? You know, um, one thing first is to know that virtues God gives us the grace to do them, um, but when it comes to the cardinal virtues, you know, these are obviously things we have to work on. Yes. You know, um, and so do you want to speak to that just a little bit? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, It seems
2: as though I don't know if anybody would necessarily say this explicitly, but at least in our own minds and hearts, oftentimes we think, well, I just I just got to I just got to uh, pray that God gives me the virtues and live them out, which isn't. Always, quite how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a there is this uh, saint once who I I gotta remember his name. I always forget his name. But he once was struggling with with anger, uh-huh. and so he prayed to God. He went to the church and he prayed to God. God, please, uh, please give me patience. Please let me have the gift of patience to overcome my anger. And he walks out of the church and he immediately runs into somebody he doesn't like, and all of his anger flares up again. And so he goes back into the church and says, God, I messed up again, please, please give me patience so that I can I can overcome my anger. And he goes out of the church and he meets a friend of his, they get into a conversation, all of a sudden the conversation moves into something they disagree on, they have this big argument, it's a complete blow up. He goes back into the church and he says, God, I messed up again. This is the third time I'm asking you, why are you not giving me patience? And God responds with, when you asked for patience, I thought that you wanted opportunities to practice. Yeah, And that's really how virtues work. It's not just something that we can have or not have. You have to practice it. You have to develop it. It's like learning any skill. Yeah. Um, you don't just become good at basketball. You have to go to yeah. practice every day. Uh, music, you don't just become good at an instrument. You have yeah. to practice it every day. and. Um, As many people know, that gets obnoxious (laughs) when you're practicing every single day. But that's kind of how the virtues work. Mercy grows by us becoming merciful, by offering sacrifices for those who are in need every day, by looking at those who have offended us and making sure that we pray for them, that we um, ask God for the gift to love them so that we can grow in our ability to forgive them. And the same thing with justice. Uh, Justice takes daily discernment and examination. Lord, how did I live my day? Did I treat people fairly? Did I treat people properly? Um, And is there somebody who I'm neglecting? And the daily reflection,
1: that daily practice is the only way it can grow. Absolutely, you know, and um, as you're speaking about that, Um, The more we practice the virtues, actually, the freer we become. Um, People misuse the word freedom, and they think it means do whatever I want. Yes, we have free will to choose our actions, but that's not freedom. Doing whatever we want is an abuse of our freedom. You know, actually, because if we understand, I'm either going to be enslaved to my passions, which is not freedom, it's enslavement to your passions, or I will be able to freely love the way that God loves. And that's, yeah, the only way it's going to happen is, and I agree, you know, I'm sure you've heard as many people say, and I've even said it myself before in the past, I I try not to say it anymore, you know, like, um, don't pray for patience because God will give you the opportunity. Well, maybe that's what I need most right now, you know, (laughs) exactly. it's like, just like that example that you gave of that priest is like, well, maybe I do need to pray for patience and then respond properly in that moment that he gives me um, so that I can grow in these virtues and So, Mm -hmm. yeah, those are wonderful points, Father, that you're making. This is awesome to have you on here. All right. um, Getting back to uh, talking with uh, Father Nick about um, mercy and justice and the tie between them or, you know, I kind of want you to go where you want with this or... I can keep just asking stuff, you know, however yeah. you want to. We'll,
2: we'll keep playing as we've been doing. Okay. We'll, we'll go into something more. And if you have any questions, nice. we'll just keep going along with that. I, Sounds I, good. I like, the, I like the conversation back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, so let's now move into how do we make sense of these two together? Because we've kind of looked at them separately. Yeah. Um, and we also stated at the beginning that even though... Oftentimes we see them as contradictory to each other. They can't be because God can't be in contradiction with himself. With every situation, he can't not be just. With every situation, he cannot not be merciful. He He is the epitome of both in every situation. So what we need to do then in order to make them work together is sometimes we need to change our view of them. And with this, I want to go into the Latin meaning of justice, uh, justus in Latin. Because the very literal definition of justice isn't the punishing the guilty and freeing the innocent, but the very literal definition is right relations. That's what justice is about. It's about right relationships. And in reality then, that can be the lens through which we can see both mercy and justice, that they are both about establishing or reestablishing, rather, a right relationship with, with, uh, with God and with others. Um, if you think about it for a second, mercy and justice can't come into play until a wrong is done. Um, only when a wrong is done can, they, can, can those virtues then come into play. But when a wrong is done, when you pardon the wrong that is done, that's what mercy is. But justice, if you want to bring someone back into right relation, means that you have to correct the wrong as well. Yeah. And so in order to bring someone back into a right relationship, you need to be able to pardon the sin as well as correct the behavior. And so mercy and justice have to work together if we want to bring back unity with God and with others. So that's really the lens to look at through it, is how do we reestablish that unity with God and others? How do we reestablish that right relationship? And then mercy and
1: justice can be on the same team. Absolutely, so um, you can help me piece this together. I've I've said it before, but I always forget how I put it and I'm not the first one to come up with it. But if you think about it, if there was only mercy that's not actually—a lot of people think about, you know, like, you know, they like to say, well, we have a merciful God, so, you know, he would never um, judge anybody worthy of hell or, you know, and, um, and, and that's, that's romanticism. That's not actually love. Absolutely. Um, Mercy without justice is not love, but a lot of people see it that way. Basically, just like, well, we can't ever call anybody out because, you know, in this world of moral relativism, we just have, well, you know, you're wrong and maybe is not my wrong. um, And then on the other side, justice without mercy is just living by the letter of the law. That means like, you know, we've all heard stories of judges who had compassion on a young man because they're like, okay. I've got an 18-year-old, and I'm going to call him a kid. He might be legally an adult, but the judge is looking at him and being like, you know, this kid just turned 18. He did something stupid. Does the law say that I can throw the book at him and he can go away for five years in prison? Absolutely. Or is it better that I say, you know what, I think the people that you harmed um, would be— Better serviced by you doing, um, you know, eighty hours of community service. You know, maybe maybe we let you be um, in a halfway house for a while or something like that. But I don't think prison is going to reform you. I think it's going to harden your heart. You know, and 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 maybe that's where we can see that is if we just have justice and we just say, well, no, book says you're going away for five years. See you, buddy. Um, Or if we just say mercy says, well, everything's going to be all right. And you know. Whatever, mm-hmm. your truth is not my truth. Um, you know what would you have to say to that, Father? Well, I mean, you're you're exactly on the on the right track there. Um,
2: justice always has to be corrective. That's what that's what punishment is. Punishment mm-hmm. is always corrective. Any parent who punishes a child—I should say—any good parent that punishes a child <laughs> yep. doesn't do this because the parent is like, "I'm going to lay down the law. We're doing family court, and I'm sentencing you to three months of." Of, uh, of of grounding in your room, no. It's when the child does something wrong, and, and the parents like, I need you to learn, yeah, not to hit your sister. I need you to learn not to, um, uh, you know, do bad on your homework. Like, yeah. I I need you to to learn this because we want what's best for you. That's justice, and and that's also why the church is not against the legal system. Yeah, you know, um, and granted the. I don't know of a legal system in the world that doesn't need some sort of reforming here and Absolutely. there. Absolutely, but it has to be about corrective cor- correction. Yeah. Um, if a person is willing to correct without forgiveness, in other words, a person is willing to do justice without mercy. In essence, then you're not bringing a person back into a relationship with their community. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm going to make sure that you live right, but I'm never going to forgive you. Well, that's not going to bring people back into unity with God and others, um, in which case there's a big flaw in that system. Yeah. But likewise, if someone says, well, yeah, I'm going to forgive you, but, I'm not going to cre- but I don't need to worry about correcting your behavior. Well, once again, that's not bringing somebody back in union with God. That's not bringing someone back in union with one another. You, know, you keep getting angry at people and hitting them but I'm forgiving and so I'm gonna let you keep doing that. Well, this yeah. is not gonna have a fullness of life there. So the question then is, if you are merciful without being just, is that really showing mercy? And the answer is no, because if you truly had sympathy for the person and compassion for the person, you would want them to live rightly with with God and with society. Yeah. On the flip side, if you are about the justice without the mercy is it true justice? Well, no, because justice is about right relations. If you are being, if you are willing to correct the behavior without forgiving someone, you're not bringing them back into that right relationship. Yeah. So the justice and mercy work have to work together, and in fact, they serve one another. Yeah. Um. In, in bringing about this unity once again.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I think that's where our world has. Uh, obviously, our world has a lot of problems, but one of the mi- uh, big ones I had somebody on yesterday that was talking about this and agreed that like, the the only unforgivable sin anymore in society, um, or I guess the only sin that's left for society is to tell somebody that they're doing something wrong, <laughs> you know, to call somebody out on their immoral actions. Yeah. You know, and that's people think that uh, in our world, people think that that's what love is just. You do you, I'll do me, and everything will be fine. No, that leads to chaos. I mean, just a little bit of thinking realizes mm-hmm. at some point, your cars are going to run into each other, you know, and there's going to be a wreck, and it's going to be chaos, and it's not going to be nice, you know, and, and that's, that's the world's thought is just everybody just needs to be nice, you know, and, and you're like, okay, well, no, everybody needs to love. But love demands that there is action, that there's sacrifice, you know, and love's not always easy. And then, like, yeah, any parent who truly loves their child will discipline them. I mean, at the very least, even in societal Mm -hmm. terms, because I don't want you growing up to be a scumbag. (laughs) Pretty (laughs) much. Basically, if I had no moral training, I just might be like, I I want you to be a um, good citizen. Mm -hmm. At the very least. You know, but taking that to a further moral command you know like i don't want you to just be a good citizen here i want you to be a good citizen for the next life also so exactly
2: yeah the parent prepares their child i mean it ultimately is all going to lead to salvation yeah but the 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 parents oftentimes are preparing their children for the real world you know i want you to learn how to wake up on time i want you to learn how to brush your teeth, how to how to eat properly, how to go to school, work hard, get an education so that you can then have a fullness of life when you get older yeah. and ultimately grow in a, a, a virtue that will lead you to eternity. You know, um, if we don't abide by both love and truth, and if we don't abide by both mercy and justice, then we are setting... We're we're setting ourselves up for, for, just, basically destruction and yeah. misery.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, so for us as Christians, it would be it know, would be
2: love reliving mis, mis, misery. Well, if we, love <laughs> relieving. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so yes, uh, mercy is that's that's a good way of thinking of mercy is mercy is love relieving misery, but without mercy and justice, you have love reliving oh,
1: misery yes, gotcha absolutely <laughs> yeah I get you now thank you father um, then obviously there, there's there got to be um, plenty of things of this in scripture and you know I, um, it's kind of frustrating I understand why people see this but it's kind of frustrating to um, hear people talk about well you know the God of the Old Testament is vengeance and justice and, and Jesus is love and mercy you know and like Okay, you're talking about one God. <laughs>
2: exactly. And there's yeah.
1: not a change in God. So what we first have to understand is if that's how we're seeing things, we need to reread scripture and, and understand it in the way that it was written, the way that it's supposed to be understood, which sometimes we need theological help from that. You know, and so this is maybe a good point for us to then ask you, you know, where are those places in scripture that we see this meeting up and how can we maybe reconcile for those people who are like, well, you know, in the Old Testament, God opens up the ground and people fall in, you know, and um, and Jesus is always walking around, and you know, first I think they get it wrong, but yeah, you know, where would you say, um, where can you teach us how um, those kind of go together, and where in Scripture do we see these working in tandem? That's a that's a good question. We can go a lot of places
2: with this. Yeah. Let's start with let's start with the Book of Revelation. Because I can talk about the specific places where mercy and justice are presented in the Scripture, uh-huh. but let's look at Scripture as a whole first to sure. get into this question. In the book of Revelation, there's this great scene where you have the Lamb of God uh, seated on the throne, and there are the, this, these, this scroll with these seven seals on it. The scroll with the seals is supposed to be the symbol of Scripture, but who is worthy to open the Scripture? No one is worthy to open Scripture. And John weeps in the book of Revelation because no one is worthy to open it up except for the Lamb. And the Lamb, who is Christ, can then open up the Scripture so that it all then can be understood by everyone else. And that's when the Scriptures become opened up and everyone rejoices. With this, everything has to be looked at through the lens of Christ. If you aren't looking at Old Testament and New Testament, the entire thing, through the lens of Christ, you are misreading it. Yeah, And therefore, that has to be sort of, you can't say, well, the Old Testament is vengeance and the New Testament is love and mercy. No, it all has to be read through that lens of Jesus. Now, let's also then go back to the Old Testament because the Old Testament... Um, There are a lot of stories where, yeah, God's opening the ground and people are falling in. And then he's going to, you know, even before that, he parts the sea and then he destroys the Egyptians. And, you know, there's all these other things that are happening. Um, A couple ways to understand that, first of all, is we have to be very careful that we're not reading these stories in a hyper literal way. Yeah. If we read them in a hyper literal way, then it can sometimes seem as though God is out to get us and as soon as we mess up, he's gonna send us to help. Mm-hmm. That's not reading it through the lens of Christ, Yeah. right? But the other way to read it is, let's go back to that parent-child analogy. A child does something wrong, dad sends me to my room, I don't see anything about it except for that dad is mean. Yeah. Dad has opened up the, <laughs> the, 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 the ground, meaning the door of my room, let me fall in to my room and has shut me in there, and dad is mean. Yep. Well, the people in the Old Testament, keep in mind that was a barbaric time. Oh, very much. That so. was an incredibly barbaric time. We read the Old Testament, we're getting the G rated version of what yeah. the society was like there. And what God is trying to do is He's trying to prepare and correct. And set the stage so that he can then bring in Jesus, his son. And so even though the Old Testament might look like, you know, mean God, not letting us do what we want to do, you know, we should be able to rebel against him and he should be okay with it. (laughs) No, God is trying to constantly form the people. And sometimes when the people go clear off base, he says, okay, I'm going to let you... Experienced the consequences of your own decisions. Yep. But after you've experienced the consequences of your own decisions, you can't blame me because of the consequences of your own decisions. (laughs) Exactly. I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to bring you back. Yeah. With that, now let's go into the specific places because we can see mercy very prevalent in the Old Testament. One of my yeah. favorite places is in the Psalms, especially Psalm 51. Um, you have King David. Psalm 51 was written by King David. King David was uh, a great king, but he had messed up. Yeah. He committed adultery. And in order to hide the adultery, he basically um, found a, a plan to murder the yeah. husband of the woman who he committed adultery with. Then brought the woman into his home and told everybody, "See, it's okay. I've, I have a son now because I was such a nice guy, bringing this woman into my home because her husband died." Yeah, you know, Um, and he was found out. And when he found out, he wrote Psalm fifty-one, and Psalm fifty-one, it really shows that there there was a punishment that happened. Yeah. But God still accepted David back there was still that great mercy that was shown to him. And um, anyone out there, just read the whole psalm, it's fantastic, but he he says, have mercy on me, God, in accord with your merciful love, and your abundant compassion blot out my transgressions. And God does show that mercy. Um, There's also Psalm 103 that says, merciful and gracious is the Lord, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. The whole slow to anger, you know, once again, we think, you know,
1: some people say the Old Testament was the wrathful God. Look at all he put up with. Oh, I know. <laughs> Just, I often think about myself, too. I look at the Israelites and I'm like, oh, good Lord. When, why don't they get it? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, you're probably asking me the same thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Read the book of Judges. How
1: <laughs> yeah. again and again and again they
2: fall into idolatry, some of the worst idolatry, um, with a lot of pretty horrendous pagan practices. Yeah. And God says, okay, I'm going to leave you to your own devices, but I'm yeah. going to send a judge, and they're going to bring you back over and over and over yep. again. This goes on for centuries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but um, then in Isaiah 55, um, the Isaiah the prophet uh, says, let the wicked forsake their way and sinners their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord to find mercy to our God, who is generous and forgiving. He forgives over and over and over again yeah. in the Old Testament, trying to bring people back into the right yeah. way of living. Um, so I mean, that mercy is, is very there, Absolutely. very much there, it's very prevalent. Yeah, he's trying to correct this barbaric society along the way, but he never gives up on them. The, the
0: mercy is, is always there alongside justice. Absolutely. Wow. So, we need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. Mercy versus justice with Father Nick Parker. We'll be right back. We're back on Double Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. Mercy versus justice. Father Nick Parker. Cody Marinser conducts the interview.
1: Um, You know, as you were speaking about that um, and and how we need to look at Scripture, I think this is one of the benefits of growing up and then um, looking back and seeing as a child, as you were mentioning before, oh, okay. Mom and dad weren't just jerks, <laughs> right. right? Like I, I now get one, I get that I was kind of a brat at some points. And I, you know, I can look back and there are things I'm like, yeah, I deserved a punishment. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but also, you know, there are um, one thing that I've always liked to look at too is there are even times when sometimes people look at God and like, God, why did you let that happen? Um, and they're just natural consequences. You know, I like to say, if I tell my child, don't climb on the roof and jump off, you'll break their le- your leg, you know, and they climb up on the roof and jump off and break their leg you know they have no right to look at me and be like dad why did you let that happen but isn't that the same thing we're doing to god i've heard it
2: with kids who are who like they uh they fall off the swing and then parent comes out to help them and they get mad at their mom and dad
1: you're supposed to be here to catch me (laughs) yeah exactly Um, yeah. This is kind of how life works. Yes, it is. You know? So, yeah, I very much appreciate you um, talking to us about how that's what we need to do is look at all of Scripture through the lens of Christ um, in our relationship to our Father. And then if we understand that, very much so. We can understand, okay, sometimes people needed a punishment, but sometimes it was just the natural punishment of them not listening to God, and then that's what happens, um, And I think that's a good lesson for our society and for our own lives today, too. So.
2: Sure, yeah. Um, and I also want to go back to how you said so many people, um, mostly in in secular society, they use it as a defense against Christianity, but they say, well, you have two different gods. You have the God of wrath yeah. in the Old Testament and the, the God of peace and mercy in the New Testament. Keep in mind that Jesus was not above <laughs> justice himself. Yeah. Granted, he did show a lot of mercy. He would forgive the sinners. He would take care of the poor. He was bringing in the tax collectors and prostitutes and eating with them and 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 bringing them into his 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 life with him. Um, you know, not condoning anything that they did wrong, yeah. but still very merciful. But he also is the one who. Flipped over tables, cleansing the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not afraid to speak very harshly against the the Pharisees, but yeah. also um, some of his parables are just horrifying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean,
2: if you look at, for example, the uh, parable of the ten virgins, the the five wise yeah. and the the five who are foolish. Um, they were awaiting the uh, the bridegroom for the wedding banquet, and the bridegroom was delayed. The five wise virgins brought oils for their lamps and the five foolish did not. Well, while the five foolish then were going out looking for oil for their lamps, the bridegroom comes and they get to go into the wedding banquet. The five foolish come in and what does the master, the bridegroom, who is supposed to be the symbol of Christ say? (laughs) He doesn't say, oh, I'm merciful, sure, come in. He says, I do not know you. Yeah. You will stay outside where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, and in essence, it's a <laughs> yeah. parable that says there's going to come a time where it's you, I'm, it's too late. It's too late, and I yeah. am going to give people what is their due. I am going to yeah. show this this justice, basically. Yeah. Um, you can also think of the the parable of the vineyard where. A master goes on a journey, and he leases his vineyard to tenants, and then after a while, the master sends delegates to collect the, the harvest. Well, the tenants, they beat some of them, they kill some of them, and then he sends his son, and they kill them, Yeah. Uh, kills the son, and so what does the master do? He will put those servants, to a, those horrible servants, to a horrible death, and yeah. lease his vineyard to other tenants, Jesus is not above justice. He is still saying you have to do what is right, giving, giving God and others their due. Um, so you know, don't discount the justice of, of Christ either. They, you can find both in both the New and Old Testament.
1: Definitely. We've been talking about mercy versus justice, about um, uh, where uh, we see those things um, come together in the person of God, um, in his oneness, um, talking about the Old Testament, the New Testament, Jesus and everything. And so um, we want to kind of um, put all those thoughts together then um, and see uh, maybe um, how do we see this lived out in the life of Christ. Father, we just got done talking about some of the parables. Sure, yeah. Where do we see it going from there? Well, um, we want to keep in
2: mind – that God is all merciful and all just at all times. Now with this, I would like to move into, because we can see that Jesus was merciful and just in his lifetime, but I really want to look at how this really culminates in salvation itself. Because when we look at salvation, first of all, the reason why we need salvation is because of basically the fall of humanity. Adam and Eve, ate the fruit of the tree. Um, Eve was tricked, but Adam chose to do it. So Mm -hmm. uh, so they ate the fruit of the tree. That led to the fall of humanity. Sin enters the world. We continue to sin. We continue to fall. And therefore, we need saved. Now, out of justice, God could have said, you messed up. You're done. And I'm going to condemn the world, destroy the world, the world's going away, I'm going to do something new. And he would have been right to do that. Like We abandoned God. God didn't abandon us, we abandoned God. And out of justice, he could have let that just go on for all the rest of time. But God is not just just, he is also merciful. And he wants to live in that right relationship with his creation. So with that desire of restoring right relationship, he's going to put justice and mercy into play here. Out of mercy, he knows he wants to bring us back to him. But the only way to do this fairly, because he wants to be fair about it, because we fell from God by the sin of a man, it's only right that we are restored to God by a man. The only problem is that no man is good enough to do this. Yeah. So God comes up with the rescue plan of all rescue plans. He says, I will send my son to take on their humanity. He's still going to be fully God, but he's also going to be fully human. And he's going to live the life of humanity. He's going to walk the life of humanity. And in the end, he will even become the victim of humanity, the sin of humanity. But because he is offering himself up as a perfect sacrifice, being sacrificed because of, in all ways, because of the sin of humanity, that perfect sacrifice is the right restoration, to bring humanity back to me. So Jesus then fulfills that justice of God, as well as the mercy of God, bringing us back to him through his sacrifice. In the end, the life to come, yes, we will face God's justice. He is going to give everyone basically their their right due. Um, And mostly it's basically because we get to choose it. He's like, I'm letting you choose what, what your right due is, Um, But I am going to give you what you choose, which is life with me or life without me. Um, So he is going to show that justice. But salvation itself, the mere uh, fact that we have the opportunity to go to heaven, is absolutely merciful. Absolutely. Um, And so therefore, both is going to be completely fulfilled in heaven.
1: Yeah. You know, if we looked at it from the standpoint of, you know, I love that you started with... Um, the garden, because if it was just justice, yeah, God would have every right um, to, I mean, he created, it's his right to say, see ya. And sure. he would have to do that to every single person that if you've ever sinned, you're just as guilty as Adam and Eve. You know, and and so, I mean, yes, we are born into a fallen state. But we're not culpable of the sin. Yeah. So, you know, like, the thing is then you have to look at it in that instance is like, well, you know, like, how many worlds would God have to create and then just wipe away, create and wipe away, create, you know, like, but on the other hand, as we were speaking earlier, if it was just mercy and God was like, oh, yeah, well, um, you, you did wrong, but we're, we're just going to forget about correcting that measure. <laughs> then what's the Holy difference between cow. heaven and hell? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. People who live forever in chaos? Like, who wants that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know? And, and so, exactly, as like, you said that, I'm like, Your oh. eternal life
2: is going to be horrible. Chet, you get to choose which horrible eternal life you get.
1: Yeah. Like, okay, be, great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so that that's that's very much um, at the forefront of my mind. Is like uh, I'm so glad <laughs> that those those attributes of God work together um, to bring us about to bring about um, salvation, um, to bring about um, the goodness. Um, even within us. I don't want to waste any more of Father Nick's time um, by me speaking. I want to, uh, him to go back into then. Um, when it comes to the spiritual life, when it comes to we sinning and things like that, where do we see justice and mercy showing up? You know, what, what do we need to do as sinners to really start trying to live this out? Well, um,
2: it is very much a, a part of the spiritual life. We are all sinners. We're all in need of forgiveness but forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that everything is all right again i mean we as 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 our souls are all restored again but um one of the one example that i've heard is that we need to keep in tandem forgiveness and atonement for our sins so for example let's say you have a a boy in a backyard playing baseball and he hits the ball and it flies over the fence and breaks the neighbor's window. He can go to the neighbor and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And the neighbor can say, yes, I forgive you. But that doesn't mean that the window is automatically fixed. Yeah. In order to make things right again, he should try to do something to make up for the broken window. Um, we can go to confession and say, God, I, I messed up again. Please forgive me. And God will say, yes, I forgive you. Absolutely. But then we still need to do something to help make sure that we don't sin again. You know, there has to be the mercy of forgiveness, but also the justice of correction as well, yeah. or the justice of making things right as well. Um, so you have to have both if you're ever going to grow. You, you have to have both if you're ever going to be able to be in that,
1: that full unity with God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so as you're saying that, if in, in case any of you were like, thinking, hmm, this kind of sounds like confession. <laughs> it sounds a lot like um, confession. sounds like a whole lot like the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Yes. <laughs> Which, um, you know, um, nobody, I, I say this often, nobody likes confession. Anybody who says they do, there, there's something wrong with them. Everybody likes <laughs> it's, it's what true. happens in the confessional. Nobody likes going, oh, hey, Father, by the way. These are all the things I've done wrong in the last week, two weeks, year, you know, whatever it is. But we love the forgiveness that is being shown in that. And this is actually kind of why I love—I'm not saying that you shouldn't go behind the curtain, you know, because either way is great. I like going face-to-face because at some point I'm going to see my Maker (laughs) face-to-face. And at least for me personally, I have to be willing to look the priest in the eyes— and go, okay, this is an accounting of how I have offended you, Lord.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate you bringing up the Sacrament of Reconciliation as well because the Sacrament of Reconciliation, is, it's a battle because it's so contrary to the way the world treats us. Yeah, And we have to break out of the way the world treats us in order to go to confession because I do something wrong in the world, I don't want the world to know it at all because I know the world is going to look at me and say, why did you do that? Yep. How horrible of a person you are to do that. They will look at my worst sins and they will condemn me for it. And so therefore, while we're living in the world, we hide our worst sins because we don't want to be condemned, because we know we'll be condemned. Yeah. But you go into the confession and oftentimes people in confession still have that ingrained in them. I hide my sins because I know I'll be condemned. I hide my sins because I know I'll be condemned. What do you do in confession? You have to battle against that. You reveal your sins. But when you reveal your sins, you hear the words, I do not condemn you. And the relief that people get from that. Oh, my. Holy cow. I can tell everything I've ever done wrong. And I'm not condemned. I'm I don't want the world to know my sins, but boy, I can reveal everything here and I get liberated. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's that's what makes confession so powerful. It is a battle because of what the society is ingrained on us, but it is the exact opposite of anything you'll find in the world.
1: Yep. Yep. So good. All right. We have just um, a minute or two left. Is there anything that we didn't get to um, that you want to leave our um, audience with today? You know, um, there's a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different
2: images, but mostly I just want people to realize that um, it really is about bringing unity, restoring relationships. And that's what our, our full goal is. We always have to be merciful and forgiving if we want those relationships to be restored. But we also constantly need for ourselves and for everybody to correct those sins, which does come through sometimes some form of penance or punishment or whatever have you. But um, in the end, it's all for the better because it really does unite
1: us. It brings us together as a people, and it ultimately brings us together with our God. Fantastic. Uh, We just had a wonderful interview with Father Nick Parker. Father, thank you so very much for your time. Sure, thank Um, you. We really appreciate it. Uh, Would you leave us with your priestly blessing this hour? Sure, absolutely. Let's uh, do a prayer and a blessing. In
2: the name of the Father, and and of the Son, and of the Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for all of your many gifts and blessings. We give you thanks for this time you have given us to grow closer to you. We give you thanks for this radio station as it tries to evangelize the world. We give you thanks for all who listen as they are striving to grow closer to the Lord. We ask that you send your blessing upon this station and upon all who are listening to it. May we always grow in our faith and our love of you. May Almighty God bless all who are listening and this station in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy
0: Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you have a comment on this show or an idea for a future show, go to dvmercy.com and click on the Double-Edged Sword icon. Or you can text your comment or idea to 785-621-4110. And folks, don't forget, great shows like this one you just heard are listener-supported. If you can support this station and help save souls for heaven, go to dvmercy.com and click on the Donate button. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your heart.